So, how did you did you grow up in Nottingham? No, I studied in Nottingham. Ah. I went to uni there, and then I lived there for about six months to a year after I left uni. Yeah. Um. So I like the city a lot, but have been back for a little while. Mm. I grew, well, up, grew up in North London. I live in North London. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I saw that um, the band that you're the basis of, it, it actually bought, you actually formed in Nottingham. So yeah, that's right, yeah. So were you uni friends or? Yeah, so the guitarist, a uh, guy called Alex, he was on my course. Uh, we, both, we both did philosophy. Uh, so that meant we spent all our time watching cartoons and playing music. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, the singer, Tom, he was friends with Alex. He was like, his long-suffering friend they used to boss him around and they, yeah. they ran a band song which is like band society yeah which i always thought was kind of lame but you had to be part of to use a practice rooms yeah. uh so that's how we all got friendly and we started the band kind of as a joke at the end of our last year yeah yeah so how did it go from just a joke to something that's actually you you signed a record deal yeah um so we had a couple of good breaks uh, the first thing that happened when we started to build up a little fan base we released an ep yeah. That was just completely self-funded, just three tracks. What was that called? Uh, that was called Black Line EP. Okay. Um, and we put that online, I think on Bandcamp or a couple of places. And then that got used in a like a gaming YouTube video. I think it was World of Warcraft. I mean, that kind of tells you where the story's going. Uh, and we got quite a few listeners from that. And then this YouTube channel called The Yogscast, who uh, I think they're still, they're still pretty you know, big, big players in the game, but they were one of the biggest UK YouTube channels at the time. And they wanted to work with us and use our music, put in some of their videos. And that was our first real exposure to lots of people. We kind of built up a, a reasonable fan base from that alone. And that's kind of our first jumping off point. Okay. Uh, so we were really thrown into that kind of nerdy world. We were doing, the first EP was super nerdy. It was like themed. You ever watched any Japanese cartoons? I see um, I've seen some like Dragon Balls at Dragon Ball Z and yeah. that kind of stuff. So, and yeah. maybe a little bit of hentai, but we'll go into that on another on another. <laughs> well, that was the second album. It's entirely tentacle born. <laughs> no one knows that. Oh no, we know. It. It's just under. It's just like it's one of those things where like it's under. It's under the current, right? It's in the lyrics yeah. if you read if you really read into it. Yeah, exactly. Or if, like you get a record player and you like play it backwards. Yeah, Mr. Octopus, theme have sex with me. It's, no. it's subtle, but yeah. Yeah, but it's in there and it's beautiful. Exactly. So the story then needs to be told. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay, keep going, sorry. Yeah, no, no. Uh, so, yeah, we released our secret hentai album. <laughs> I got us very big in certain spheres. Uh, and we, so we were working with the Yorkstars. They were growing a lot. They had about 8 million subscribers at, at the time uh, on YouTube, which back then was huge. Yeah. Now, kind of, you know, every kid and his dog has at least 100,000. Yeah. Um, well, I think, well, probably. Do um, you? Oh, oh because of the back. On, on our YouTube channel, we have that last one. Well, we got the silver play button, but then I think we lost a few subscribers when yeah. the Great Purge of 2016. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we still did a lot of YouTube stuff, and that's partly how we grew up our base as well. So we used to make comedy sketches on yeah. there. This is the ads of band for making comedy sketches. Um, we did some gaming stuff. I was never really that into that. Yeah. Like, I, growing up, I loved video games, but I never really wanted to be somebody known for playing video games. I didn't yeah. mind you know, featuring in a video, but it wasn't where my interests were. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we, once we started working with the Oxcast, we released our first album, and completely to our surprise, that actually got in the charts. It got in the you know, top 100 albums. Good for you. We woke up the next morning on, on iTunes rock album, it was like number two behind Fleetwood Mac. We were like, this has got to be a mistake. Right? Jesus Christ, good for you. Yeah, it was, it was super <laughs> exciting, and then we did realize that, okay, well, we have a fan base now. We hadn't been on tour at that point, like a proper one. We'd done a couple of 
on home book shows. We yeah. booked it for realized people were coming, we're like, okay, well, we've got something here, you know, we really enjoy playing this music. It's kind of silly, but kind of fun and sentimental and also kind of a bit piss-taky in a way, but yeah, yeah we just watched the fan base start to grow and kind of, it's continued to, and we had some peaks and troughs and it's going good at the moment. And Is it still yeah. the same members? Or the... Yeah, we, we had one guy at the beginning, a chap called Luke, who was like incredibly good at shredding on the guitar. Yeah. Like he kind of wanted to stay in that glammy, shreddy kind of vein. And we okay. wanted to move more into more electronic songwriting. Perfect. So we, we amicably split ways. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while, but yeah, he was a great guitarist. Okay. Yeah. He's still alive, hopefully. I hope so. Yeah. And if not, you know, the next album will be dedicated to him. So what was it like growing up for you in North London? It was good. It was good. I had like um, I still do have a really tight knit group of friends. Um, yeah. I'm still friendly with the six guys who I became best friends with in the first year of primary school. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I should probably make some new friends at some point. <laughs> <laughs> You're the first person I talked to outside of them. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it great. Like um, when we when we became teenagers, we could always go into London because we had the tube. So we never felt like we were clue grew up. In you still summer. have the tube, by the way. Yeah. It's not something that went away after no, you bad. grew up. And then I've done a reading of my technical album. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, Northland is great. How about you? Where, you? where did you grow up? I grew up in North West London. Oh, okay. Charles Hill yeah. Crickle would actually represent. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> nice uh, not too far. Yeah, not too far. Um, yeah, it was actually decent, a decent enough childhood. Like, everyone has their struggles and stuff. Mm-hmm. But what I'm wondering for you is, like, what. What shaped you as what, what was it? Yeah, not exactly comedy, but like you know, because we'll get to the comedy later, but I'm, I'm interested more in the music. So yeah. what was it that got you into music as a child? Um, or at least to performing as a child. This is super lame, but the first uh, thing I remember seeing was like that's the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. It was do you remember the video for Black or White by Michael Jackson? Yeah. And then Macaulay Culkin at the beginning. He's got his sunglasses. Yeah, this is the best <laughs> yeah. part. I was like I was younger than him at the time, or I was like maybe four, three when that came out. Yeah, because he would have been about seven. What was the album? It was Bad, Black yeah. or White. Or was it? Was it yeah. One of them. Well, yeah. I remember watching that and just being like, that is the archetype of cool. And I always wanted to play guitar. Well, being, never, McCall, being Macaulay Culkin, yeah. it's the archetype of cool. Because I love Home Alone as well. And I kind yeah, of, I get it. I, I get it. I wanted to be that mischievous kid, like yeah. Colin Franks. And I'd always... Uh, Try and you know, you play traps in the house, I'd always try yeah. that kind of thing as a kid, not realizing how dangerous it was, but yeah, tormenting your parents. So, um, yes, yeah, so I saw that, and that was always like an image that stuck with me. And then I got to about 12, and I, I was playing saxophone and clarinet, and I learned that, that was yeah, kind of, you know, have lessons and stuff. But it was never really like a passion of mine. I, I liked doing it, but it wasn't something I like practicing always felt like a bit of a chore for that point. Yeah. And then I got to about 16 and I got a bass and then everything kind of made sense. I just started learning loads like Chili Pepper songs, stuff like that. And I realized I could play them and it wasn't too difficult. And I think that came from having some experience on other instruments. I come from quite a musical family. My dad can keep playing piano by ear. Okay, nice. So, so he can hear anything. I just play that straight back. And I can't I can't do that to nearly the same degree. I can work out chords and stuff. But yeah. I think just being around a musical family really um, kind of really encouraged that. Yeah. But guitar and bass was my own, my own choice. I wasn't pushed off before. I did violin from five to about 15 years old. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. Ten years. Ten years. Um, my mom, my mom, a couple of years ago, we were talking in the we were talking in the kitchen, saying, "Oh, uh, 
How long? How long did you play violin boys? It's about ten years, one. Yeah. Oh, that's that's really good. That's really good. You did that. I mean, you were shit. But <laughs> did you ever do any grades or anything? No. <laughs> just just fiddle around. Yeah. Spend well, a lot of time fiddling in your room. Yeah, pretty much. Well, the thing is, I went to music. I went to a music school on a, on a Saturday. Okay. Which one? Uh, uh, Dark Apo. Okay. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was. That's, that was quite good. So you're playing a lot like a group. You do like a show every. Yeah, every. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we do. We do the show like every six weeks or so or something like yeah. that. And it, yeah, like it's really good. I, I think every kid should be doing something. Should do something like that Absolutely. because it it develops not just your confidence but also your hand-eye coordination mm-hmm. as well. I think it develops language skills as well. Like it's way easier to learn other languages if you can play an instrument. Yeah, I, read that. I mean, don't quote me on that. I'm talking out of school here, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I can't speak enough. I can barely speak another language, so that's yeah, you can barely play my lips. There you go. That's true. Exactly. But especially as my mumble mumble behind me. Have you ever thought about incorporating it into like comedy, like a lot of that? No, 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 no. I, I, I respect musical comedians yeah, and what they do. Them? I respect them, yeah. but I don't want to do. I don't think I could. I don't think I want to do it. Okay. Like, so I've considered incorporating guitar or something. Some people do it really well, but then I also think sometimes I used to make comedy music videos and comedy songs like Unique. Yeah. Probably the first. In quotes, successful thing I, I did comedy wise. Um, or, or in general. Or in general, and the only thing. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we made a, like, a comedy music video about the uni, and that got around 100,000 views or something, which at the time for us, we're like, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And that was kind of before. That was was that Uni of Nottingham or Nottingham Trent? Uh, uni of. Oh, okay, yeah. we can't be speaking. Then. No, you, are you not like trained? Yeah. Oh, no, we're bitter rivals. Yeah, we were better rivals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when, did you, when did you graduate? Uh, 2011. So you graduated in 2011? Yeah. Okay, I started in 2010. Okay, so we had been some over that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we chanted it. I never got into the whole chant. That's what the, you know, there's always that chanting and the rivalry and everything. I could never take that seriously. I took that very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> some people have venom in them. They really hate that. I was yeah. like, you know, those are people who would be our friends if only we were in the same class with them. But that's like bitter rivalry. And I, I went for it. It was well. It was always t- well, on our side anyway. It was very much. It was always very much tongue, tongue firmly in cheek. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it was there, and I was like, "Look, I'm really, really fucking being hard. It's like I'm loving it. Like, I'd rather be a poly than a cunt. I'd rather yeah. be a poly than a cunt. I'd rather, We'd be, rather be cunts. Would you? Yeah. I could never have guessed that from you. Yeah. Um, but even on the first day of uni, we had like our halls were divided up into different blocks. And people, the animosity between blocks, like everyone was saying, like, I'll be blocked till I die. Like, that's such a commitment. You've been there for an hour. Yeah. You're vowing to your death that you'll be be blocked. And yeah, the next year you moved out yeah. into a house. And we were no longer be blocked. You were no longer be blocked. Yeah. You rescinded our vows. Yeah. Sad times, but I think, Got that's, I think that's just like you're constantly looking for a place to belong. Yeah. It's not right. And that kind of, well, that kind of mentality, that kind of pat mentality yeah. kind of makes you look like you are part of something. It feels good. It feels good to be part of something. But that, that can be true with like a musical clip or group, yeah. whatever the word is. Um, and I guess that's kind of, I've, yeah, I've never, other than say that my group of friends growing up, I've never really felt like, oh, I'm this. Like, yeah. I was never a big supporter of a team over the age of 12. Like, um, like you know, a football team and stuff like that. 
It's always just been do what I want and hopefully find other people who also enjoy doing the same thing. That's the best way to do things, man. Like, I, because I work in a school, the kids always ask me, what football team do you support? I was like, yeah. I don't. It's like the go-to question, right? Yeah, I don't. I'm, they are so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're like, they're so shocked that I don't follow football. It doesn't confuse, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever? Very briefly follow Queen's Park Rangers. Okay. Yeah, Fucking. some of my home friends are big fans of Super Hoops. Super Hoops, I don't yeah. know what that means about Super Hoops. Yeah, I have no idea what it means either. <laughs> Sounds like a delicious cereal. Yeah. Um. But no, I I just never really got into it. I mean, my parent, my dad's a big football person, yeah, or, or medium football person, and my brother's a big football person. But to me, it's just like yeah. whatever. It's just a bunch of dudes just like running around kicking a ball. Yeah, you're too busy playing the violin. Too busy playing the violin. Well, Watching try, Dragon Ball Z. I try trying to play. Well, trying to play the violin <laughs> and listening to music I probably shouldn't have been listening to in like eight years. Yeah, old. you're you're a bit of a pop head, right? You love you love all the pop stuff. I went through a oh yeah I, like, I do like pop music yeah. I do I do enjoy all types of music but I grew up like listening to um, a lot of hip hop and art, rap music yeah. like I had my first Eminem album at nine years old yeah he was he was the one and then like you hear the first swear word you're like oh, oh we're in now yeah yeah like uh, Eminem and Limp Bizkit were the two edgy ones Limp Bizkit rocking the set it's like Russian Roulette whilst you're placing your bet <laughs> it was that that was like the first kind of taste of like musical rebellion or even cultural rebellion because there was nothing really you kind of just watched what you were given up to that point and yeah there wasn't much in the way of internet so no as soon as someone had one of those cds it was a game changer mm. yeah um, um i just grew up listening to everything or things that were on the radio but in my house it was mainly soul r&b and hip-hop mm-hmm. and great I did, so I grew up constantly around, constantly around music. Yeah. And I like to say that a lot of people like uh, have to break it to their parents that they like rap music. Yeah. I had to break it to my parents that I liked Shania Twain. Yeah. How could you be listening to this? Yeah, I know. You were a good boy. Yeah, exactly. Why are you not fighting the power? Yeah. This is Shania Twain. That doesn't impress me. Much. Yeah, don't impress I'm me at all. Do that doesn't impress me. About it. That doesn't impress me much. Yeah. Oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. Anyway, man. So back to you and your yeah. musical and your musical adventures. <laughs> so, so we released that first record um, with the Oxcast that did quite well on the charts. We then started booking our own tours, and then where's your first? Where was your first tour? First tour we did it was a UK one. We did four shows: um, London, Edinburgh, I want to say Manchester, and possibly Newcastle. And can it's can the first. You, can you remember the venues? Uh, I think in Edinburgh is Cabaret Voltaire. Hey, Cabaret Voltaire! Yeah. yeah, which is one of the comedy spots. Right? It is one yeah. of the big comedy spots for mm. PBH. Okay, what's PBH? Actually, yeah. is it PBH? Is it? Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, are they, yeah. Are they ever get all the. Yeah, they're, I think PBH. Is it? I can't remember. It doesn't matter. It yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yes, we did a few, few of those and we had people come to shows, which is the first thing. First time that really happened, like you know, these are full rooms now, not crazy big, but like uh, hundreds, two hundred people. Yeah. Um, which is a, which is an amazing experience. The first time it happens, and you see people singing along, and you've never you've seen these people on Twitter, you've like read YouTube comments and stuff, but actually connect with people live, very different experience. Um, it really kind of made it feel real. Yeah. Um, that was great. Uh, had a few touring adventures. 
as a kind of an attitude on tour where you feel like you should be misbehaving all the time, yeah. you also need to get, in the first tour, we didn't want to keep cost loads. We didn't book any staff, so we were like the door staff for our own gigs. And yeah. like, the fans would be coming in and they'd be like, why are you on the door? Like, didn't, didn't plan ahead. <laughs> um, but that's what you've got to do though, isn't it? When, you are, when you're broke and you're a yeah. new band starting out, that's how it's got to be. And it, and it is fun, it's hard work, but like, it's so silly and joyous. Like, you'd be running around trying to find like parts of your gear while also trying to sell merch and it's all on you. Yeah. And everyone's so happy to see you and you're happy to be there. You know it's stressful. Um, touring's great. Mm. I really good love it. Um, have you done have you done touring at all in comedy? Uh, not as I wouldn't no, nah, I wouldn't call what I've done touring. I've done I've done gigs in different I've done gigs in different cities. Yeah. And it's just like I've and it's always open spots. So it's just, okay, I'll be 10 minutes in Manchester, I'll pay 10 minutes in. Yeah. But, uh, I'm actually in Eton this week. Oh, cool. 10 minutes, I'm doing a 10 minutes on page spot yeah. for full frontal. Um, Great. But no, and it's kind of, I guess the, the most similar experience I'd have had to what you had was in Edinburgh, mm. where we had to obviously do our flyering and we didn't hire flyers, we didn't hire flyers or anything like that. Yeah. Which you're doing it all, you're like, yeah, we did it yeah, all ourselves. Um, I am, um, and because I'm in talks with some people to do it again next year, uh-huh. one thing I might bring up is whether or not we want to do our own flyering or whether it needs someone else to do it. Because even though there is something, there is something good about them seeing you hand the flyer out, yeah, it kind of think, I think it breaks the illusion at all. Yeah. They see you firing and they see you. I don't, I don't know. Like It does a little bit, yeah. Because their first interaction with you, when you, do, when you do a comedy set, your first line almost sets their expectation or the tone of the interaction. Because yeah. if I get your flight, I mean, that's not to say, you know, we're above doing it. It's just how it actually affects the, yeah. I guess, the enclosed alchemy of the yeah. performance. I don't know. I've not done it. So. Yeah, I, I think, I think you're right, basically. I think that, when the audience member sees you, um, sees you, sees you flying for your own show, yeah, that kind of makes them maybe feel like, okay, he couldn't afford, they, they couldn't afford to get flyers, they're not good enough, well, they're not good enough to get flyers. Exactly, even though it's not true, it's just that might be their perception. Yeah, exactly. So that's the closest thing I've done to that. Yeah, um, we had to obviously bring our own stuff if we wanted to, if we wanted to bring props on stage, like Duffy brought guitar. Yeah, um, I had a speaker. Um, other than that, yeah, that's pretty much the only. That's pretty okay. much. The only that's the video, is it? Gigging around. And, yeah. yeah, but at the same time, it was sort of Edinburgh, sort of a residency, because you're in this one spot for however many dates. How, how long did you do it for? Twenty-five nights. Wow, out. Yeah. Yeah. Can I swear on this podcast? Yeah. Wow. I've said yeah. a few times. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. That's not really a swear word. That's like a friendly. They they rejiggered. They the, rejiggered uh, it. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, the C word is now. I don't think they have. Money. I don't think they have, John. Really? <laughs> I don't um, think they have. I, I think I owe my uh, uncle an apology. <laughs> <laughs> don't apologize. Screw him. So, yeah. what was it that made you? So, what was it initially? Okay, what was your first? Okay, what was it that made you think? And what was the clicking point for you? Think, okay, performing is what I want to do now. Um, I. It's, it's weird because the idea of doing, you're exposed to images as a kid, you know, 
performers and you watch movies and you see all these people doing stuff and you see like first of all you enjoy it you you get a great feeling from it you think well if I could create that in other people that's wonderful like I'm, I guess I'm a fan most of all like I was a pretty obsessive fan with quite a lot of things like comedian fans growing up um, to the point where I'm glad the internet wasn't around when I was like 12 because I'd have been one of those weirdos tweeting like what the internet wasn't how old are you now uh, well like Twitter yeah so they had the internet but there weren't yeah. like it wasn't direct channel it wasn't the internet as we know it today yeah yeah but I'd just horribly embarrassed myself um, yeah some stories come to mind that I'm not going to say now things I did do like on MySpace I tried to message like people like fans like hey I love you so much what's going on please do it please yeah. come on who, who did you uh, so, who, so who I was, was like it? a huge huge Chili Peppers fan growing up who isn't yeah and I think I tried to message uh, so Flea the bassist his yeah. daughter was a few years older than me I saw she had MySpace I was just like when they were coming to lunch I was like oh my god I love you dad so much and I just kept messaging not like not like in a harassing way just yeah. in a really lame way yeah and remember she messaged me saying Please leave me alone. I'm like, oh, oh, oh I'm a freak. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I like, totally deserved it. And, and I, I've also been on the other side of it when you have a very like dedicated and loving, but, but extreme fans like messaging you a lot and with really heavy stuff saying, I want to have you in my bed. Yes. Or even just like, I was saying that's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, you get, you get stuff like that. And you've got to be super careful and look. If anything, you just don't want to like. Again, because in some sense, because they really like you so much, one anything you say, whether it's good or bad, is going to be amplified. Yeah. Uh, I think when I've got back in the early days of Twitter, I got some messages back from artists I like, even them just being like, "Oh yeah, thanks, man, appreciate it." That like made my whole day. Yeah. So I was such a big fan of them. Um, it meant a lot. So yeah, you, you just got to be careful when applying. Always be nice to people, like. Yeah, be friendly and you know, joke around and stuff. So how do, so how do you respond to someone that says I want you, I want your nuts in my mouth? Um, generally, I'd be like, okay, speak to my secretary. You generally do that. <laughs> uh, info, you know, info, like, yeah. Um, yeah, like you can joke, but sometimes it's just best to ignore the message. I think. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, I don't really know. I like I learn, and you get my singer would get messages being like. Oh, you have to go back to me, or I'm going to kill myself, and stuff like that. A really heavy going stuff. And they're like, well, do we engage it? Then we're, uh, I don't want to say rewarding the behavior, but you might be encouraging it. But you don't ignore it. Like, what, what, what do they do? Yeah. And then it's, it's been trial and error, really. And, yeah. 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 So, tricky. yeah, I can, I can imagine. But how did you go from being unsigned to completely signed? So, after our first album and that tour, we then, Started using a website for Music Loop, which is a like direct to fan merch company, um, and you can sell tickets on there. And that's when we got spotted by like a proper management. I love after. how you put that in the yeah, yeah, yeah. anyone, uh, even though no one that's saw so it. True. Yeah, I do a lot of gesticulation that's getting lost in this format. Um, yes, we got we got approached by some managers then who wanted to look after us, and they looked after big bands. And then we started writing our second record. Then we got offered a record deal. Uh, this is about 2015, 16 yeah. at this point. Um, we released it in 2016, and that actually did quite well for us as well. That album, it did quite a lot better chart-wise than the previous yeah. one. Got to um, I think two in the UK rock charts and then 20 something in the album charts. That's which good. Again, for like a small, 
we're kind of we were never part of any scene really. Um, we were just a kind of independent band it was with a semi-independent label as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was it was great fun. And we did a tour then, and the venue was growing and fan base was growing. Um, yeah, that's when we got signed. And we we stuck with the label for a bit and the manager for a bit. It had its certainly had its good points and bad points, but we realised. I think this is true with so many projects these days. No one really cares about your project as much as you do. Yeah. And it's on you to promote it. You can't rely on other people. No. I think even if even if you were to get like a booking agent, a comedy or a manager, it's yeah. still on you. Of course it is. They've got you know, they've got ten people on their roster, you're just yeah. you're one string to their bow, whereas you're yeah. your entire um, you know, it's your project. So it's up to you to get up there yeah. and do the interviews and do all the, pro- do all the promotion and that kind exactly. of stuff. Even though in an ideal world, it would be them, but yeah. social media and stuff, it's, just, it's on you. Yeah. That's why I often have to message comics and whoever else mm-hmm. to say, do you want to do this? But then they'll say, speak to my agent, we'll book it through the illustration. Oh, really? Through yeah. yeah. But they'll yeah. say, they'll reply, they'll usually reply back and then, yeah. Okay. So you'll have to go through... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we hop and feel like, yeah, it's Saturday. Right. Yeah, it would be easier. But like, to be fair, yeah. I've got a good relationship with some agency with some agents now from from doing that. Great. So they'll put, they'll send out links to the podcast, yeah. and then people will then they'll say, do you want to do you want to do this? And even if they don't want to do it, yeah, it'll still get my listeners up because yeah. people will listen. <laughs> so great. So fuck it. This. It's a good and bad thing, I think, talking to well, doing things through management. Yeah, uh, I think it can certainly, can certainly. I mean, we got some good stuff out of it. Like, you know, we got yeah. start getting car endorsements and being a magazine for all that stuff. And Which ones? Have you been? Uh, the rock magazines. Um, yeah. Kerrang and Rock Sound. Nice. Um, not been the Smash Hits yet, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it. Smash Hits still around. I hope so. I'm paying a subscription. Oh, man, do you remember that? Like, oh, yeah. those were the days. Gary Barlow on the front. Gary Barlow, I was talking more like uh, Billy Piper. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, that's what I meant as well. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Piper, Steps, S Club 7. Yeah. Like, that was the heyday of pop music. That was like the 90s golden period. Like, manufactured, yeah, very enjoyable pop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Billy Piper was manufactured, but... Maybe not. Well, what do we say? Okay, what do you call what do you call manufacturing? Sure, but everything is manufactured to an extent. Yeah. It all comes through a machine, and yeah. some and someone is saying, "No, you can't. No, we don't want. You can't have this on the album. You have to have this." Yeah, on the especially album. back then when there the wasn't the distribution channels we have now. Yeah. Um, I guess like what's like the ultimate kind of manufactured thing? Something on X Factor, like when a group can put together and then there's been a competition for it. So that would be yeah. And then the least manufactured would be a guy in his room singing and playing guitar putting out and playing out. yeah so, so along there there's all but even that guy he's still you know writing for an audience yeah like, people can be like oh I just want this for me like no you want people to enjoy it yeah um, it's a bit like when comics say oh I like that joke oh yeah uh, well I like that joke yeah, yeah but yeah. if no one else does why that's what they say it? when no one laughs that's why I do that yeah. like oh actually that joke is really funny yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's the thing it's performance it's the performing arts and that implies an audience mm. uh, and you know you want to have integrity and do the kind of stuff you want to make, but it doesn't exist without someone listening to it. That's true. Yeah. Like, you can have integrity and no one listens, or mm-hmm. you can have a little bit of bar. There's, like, less integrity, yeah. but you can have... Basically, sell out 10 to 15%. Yeah. Keep the rest real. That's it. Yeah. Uh, That's I, 
Who do you think have been the biggest sellouts in recent years? Oh, music wise. Yeah, music wise. Recent oh, Fall Out Boy have pissed me off recently, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Or the new stuff, or. Yeah. How, yeah. How it's how just it? changed way too much for my liking. I mean, I'm a big. They were like the king of the fucking emo. Yeah! Like, I wanna go. I, I'm still stuck in that. Uh, where is your Link, voice? Blink 182, that's my other question. New album. I, I grew I love Blink 182 growing up. I've got to say that new album sucks. I really wanted to like it. The when was it released? Um, a couple of months ago. Okay. Yeah, and. Is it auto is it auto tune to Parkinson? It's all, Yeah, and I don't even necessarily have a problem with auto tune if it's done well. Yeah. So songwriting, so it sounds like it's been written by an algorithm pretending to be Blink 182. Like okay. all the different elements. Yeah. I guess I guess Tom DeLong, the guitarist who left, he was way more yeah. pivotal to that. So what, is, so what is their sound now? Is it like it's just, electronic and? It's kind of. It's, so it's definitely in quotes overproduced. But I mean. Ultimately, if something's sad, if you like the way it sounds, that's fine. I've had so many discussions over the years trying to define anything in music, and you can't really do it. Like, genres don't exist. It's all just how it makes you feel emotionally when you get down to it, in my opinion. Um, it's just so overproduced. The lyrics seem so phoned in, like they've written, like it's like a pastiche. Yeah. Like a pastiche of a big variety of And that's coming from someone who's a huge fan. And I, and I don't like to be like super negative. My oldest band used to be great and now they suck, but like it's just genuinely true. Unlistenable. Yeah. Really? I think so. Okay, so but God bless them. Watch them well. Like, yeah, they chased that money. Yeah. But they were already millionaires and they were and they were they were like they were heroes. They were really funny, like really cool, like great songs. And just didn't work. Maybe they I don't know, like, say it's you know, impossible to carry on doing it, but maybe they got too old to convince you like that kind of music. Yeah. Like, well, I guess everyone has to grow and change, though. Yeah, and you have to. Maybe they didn't. Like, you're not always going to be that seventeen-year-old, that seventeen-year-old kid looking at, well, looking at a girl for a win, looking at a girl yeah, for a yeah. window. What's that song called again? Boya. Boya, that's yeah, it. Yeah. 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 Um, or some forty ones in too deep or whatever. That was the first rock album I got. That was probably the one that turned me on. All killer no filler, yeah. maybe. Yeah, great album. Turn me on to guitar music a lot. Like when I first heard, like, oh, I get it. I was like year seven or year eight. That was. I was like year six. Yeah. That was mental. That was mental. That album. Perfect pop punk album. It is. Like what has happened to pop punk recently? Was had a, it's had a kind of a couple of years ago it had a really big resurgence. Um, well, five seconds of summer kind of worked back. Yeah, well they had they were like super poppy side of it. They were super poppy side of it, but they also had some real pop rock elements to it. If you yeah. listen, if you listen deep, I say listen deeply to a five seconds of summer <laughs> album, but if you do give it a real listen, yeah. like she looks so perfect. It is a great pop rock anthem. I'm sorry, it is. Mm, okay, I'll give it. I'll give it another listen. It's got um, it's got all the way. Yeah, might be shredding, and it's it's decent. Yeah. yeah in my mind, they kind they kind of bridge the gap between like your One Directions and then your like your pop punk, like your neck beats or whatever. They're kind of in the middle. Yeah. But you know they they're smashing it. They got huge fan base. Yeah. Power to them. Yeah. Power to all power to them, but again, they've had to change. They, they changed this. Oh. The guy's just blending his hand out of the face. Yeah, alright, yeah. No worries. Again, again. But again, they changed their sound. They've had to change, they changed their sound because pop punk, as we know it, yeah. is no longer popular anymore. 
it's not it's not mainstream. It's mainstream, that's only yeah. yeah. You have you have bands like well, Nick Beats and um, State Champs and stuff. And yeah, yeah. Or Newfound Glory. Yeah, yeah, but they were kind of part of the uh, the last generation. They were like the younger guys in the Sun Forty One days. Yeah, yeah. But I miss that. I miss all that stuff. I still listen to it. Well, Newfound Glory had a decent album a couple of years ago, <laughs> but you can't get it on any of the streaming services. Really? No, you got to buy it. Why is that? They just decided to stick it off. Yeah. yeah. They Taylor Swifted. Yeah. Yeah, she's in she put out a thing yesterday or two days ago or something, right? Oh yeah, with the big machine with her label. What what do you take on that? What do you, what's your take it's on tricky, that? It's tricky. What I thought was funny was she's like, Oh, if you could just let these guys know what you think and like names them and obviously they're gonna get them. Or Scoot or Scooter Braun and Scott Bouchelle, right? Yeah, they're, they're, those are the guys and they're just gonna get so much abuse now, which I thought was kind of I mean, if they have fun with them, yeah, fair enough, let let the people know, but you never know what's really going on, like no. who's agreed to what. But yeah. then again, I know enough scumbags in the music industry who would certainly try and do that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and this is such a cliche, but from my experience, and we've had, a, we've been pretty lucky, but there are some people in the music industry who are just leeches. Yeah. Provide no value and just want a piece. Um, we actually wrote a song called Everybody Gets a Piece. Yeah. Just kind of taking a piss out of that whole, like, it, it's it's saying it's true, but it's kind of taking the piss out of it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You meet some you meet some charlatans and some sharks, yeah. you know. Fuck them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Scooter Braun has always creeped me out man, a little bit. I don't actually know much about him. He's is. the guy that discovered Justin Bieber. Okay. So oh, you want to be a star, do you, Justin? Yes, yeah. Yeah. That kind of. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of weird. Okay. I don't. I don't get. I mean. Why would you be so? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to put a label on it, but at the same time, there's like there's myths and stories in the industry. Like you've got to assume some nefarious shit. Dude, like it's, like, it's not really a myth, though, is it? Let's yeah. be honest. It's it, it, it happens. I'm still waiting to be casting couch. I'm living. <laughs> no one has casting couch in me. That's because you're not in the. That's because you're not in the acting business. Yeah, I do it just for just for my job. You get completely totally Weinstein. Do you reckon? Do you reckon yes. I, get, I get diddled? Yes. Oh, I get diddled hard. <laughs> but... can only imagine. So, so what do you think of Charles Stardom? Charles Stardom? Um, I bet... Especially, it, when it, especially in your industry, right? Yeah, so there's music. Constantly, oh, yeah. yeah, music. Yeah, music. Because there's constantly the new pop. The, they always constantly record the neck, the new... Next, 12, 14, so okay, three years. 12, 14, yeah. 12 to 17 year old. Yeah. I think, I think it's, so it must take an absolute toll on those people. But I think some people come out unscathed and, you know, they're really successful, they're really rich. Um, they've got a huge fan base and they've had a great life. And there's some people that completely want them. Um, and I think that depends on your disposition as a person, also which people you have around you. You have a good team and they protect you from stuff. I mean, and so, I, so I haven't obviously experienced anything like that, so it is hard to say. But you see enough like car wrecks, yeah, and then you see successful people. But yeah, I don't know. How about you? Would you I reckon? think would you would you, if your kid if you had a kid and he's like knew he was going to be famous from the age of twelve onwards? Would I would not that? allow that to happen. I would try my hardest to allow that to happen. Yeah. You have to get cancelled before he could do anything. Yeah, I tried to get exactly. <laughs> Tweet from his phone. Um, I wouldn't want my kid, if I ever have kids, I just would. I wanted to have a childhood. Yeah. And I don't want 
then it's not going to be a situation where they're earning more money than I am. So yeah. it's like they're taking care of me. What if they make you super rich? No. I don't think I could do it. No. I genuinely don't think I could do it. But if you've got another kid and then you raise that one normally and then you have to start getting your pay for No, again, I couldn't do it. Again, I couldn't, you're a terrible person, yeah. don't go. He's a hypothetical. But like you and your Chinese babies. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, congratulations. You made it to the end of part one. Great. Fantastic. Um, go get yourself a drink, take a Valium, pop a Xanax, and click on to part two, which is just above this episode. So, yeah, you'll find out more about John and my lives in that. So, yeah, click on to that. Good.